Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. So let's go to 1 Samuel 3. I want to teach from It's Not Bigger Than Us. It's Not Bigger Than Us. All right. This story is so familiar for us because we've been teaching from it. Let's just start reading. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. In verse four, then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they could weep no more. Go to verse five and I'll stop for a moment. And David, two wives were taken captives Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. The first principle I want to teach of unity is many times when trouble hits our life, the first thing we have to try to do is remove the things that block unity. Because right. sometimes things happen. Everybody say life happens. Life happens. I don't care if you are the smartest, the most beautifulest person educated no matter where you're from you could have grew up in a wonderful home but that doesn't mean you can't be a part of a statistic that doesn't mean you can't experience tragedy and trauma and things happening in your life so many times when those things when our perfect world or what we appear or picture to be perfect happens the first thing we have to learn to do is remove things that block unity one of the greatest things that we have to balance off when we're trying to remove what blocks unity is determining, first of all, whose fault is it? Right, that's right. Because many times when things happen, the first thing we want to do is to determine whose fault it is. And not that that doesn't have some level of credence to it, but the truth of the matter, if you're going to move to being a solutionist or get out of it, you cannot deal long with whose fault it is. Because when you start dealing with whose fault it is, you start playing what I call the blame game. Now, somebody has responsibility, but you don't move forward just dealing with whose fault it is. The blame game is a very dangerous game to play, and that's normally the first place that most people get caught up in, and if you're not careful, you can spend 20 years playing the blame game. The blame game is one of the major aspects that will concrete you in being a victim. If you look to be a victim for the rest of your life, focus on whose fault it is. If you're looking to be stuck at what happened in your life, focus on who did what to you, when they did it, how they did it, why they did it. And if you stay there all your life, you will be, con- you will be a concrete fixture in the- being a victim the rest of your life. Right. Now, true, situations may cause you to be a victim. But tell somebody you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. All right. So the blame game is one of the major things that keep people locked in and unable to remove, move from things that block unity. Can I add? 
one and and when you brought that up immediately it took me to Adam and Eve that Adam blamed Eve it is the some it is a foundation thing that has happened way back when so it is not something that is uh, uncommon mm -hmm. but you got to recognize when the enemy comes yeah. the enemy is going to always try to get you to uh to to displace uh, a blame or fault or put it in the wrong place. It is, it j instead of just acknowledging I messed up or this happened, it, 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 the enemy caused him to think, where can, who, who, let me get this off me. Because when you, when we're, a, yeah. uh, when we're going through situations, we don't, most people don't, don't like the feeling of the pressure. So it's yeah. easier to, to attribute fault to you than to own whatever uh, uh, responsibility you have. Right. Now there's times there's, you, you may not be responsible at all. Right. Right? right. It, it, it is really somebody else's reason why you might be in a situation. Right. But do we spend time worried about who's responsible or, or do we spend time on what should I do next? And again, you can stay there forever. It can be somebody else's fault that you got into that situation. But especially once you become an adult. Yeah. No matter whose fault it was, it's your responsibility. Right. It could have been somebody else's fault. They didn't do this, they didn't do that. But once you become an adult and mature, sooner or later, if you're going to be a better person, you're gonna to have to take responsible responsibility, all right? And so And I just um you said something, but because I wanna hit the kids since we're here, because we we want you to grow up being responsible. We don't want you to be all, always looking at whose fault it is. So your mama come in here and tell you, um, why is that stuff all on the floor? The first thing, it you, you just said, he did it. Right. right? Even though partly you were a part of it. Now, he might have did all of it, most of it. But take responsibility now. Because when you grow up, life, life don't care about that. Don't, life don't care about what situation you're in, and so one of the things we're in a we're in a home family setting today, and I don't want to miss the kids because I want the children to understand. Take responsibility, whatever situation you're in, whether you did it or you didn't do it. To be responsible because it makes you a better person, and so you'll know how to navigate through life. Because some of us lived a life that we always looked at to get it off me. You know, I don't want it on me, so I'll just either lie mm -hmm. right I either lie or I'll I, uh, hide or, or I tell half truths and that stuff grew up in our adulthood right and you can look at what that has done to your life because the stuff you did as a child so the the message for the kids today is be responsible be honest you can acknowledge how you feel you can talk about it and we can listen. We, we parents need to listen. We can listen, but be responsible. The worst thing for a parent is you, you giving your child a responsibility and they, they just squander it and they just come back to you to fix it every time. No, take responsibility. And then grow up and then we, you'll be a responsible adult. So you, what we're doing is talking to adults, but I'm, I want to talk to the kids too. Because we live in a world who don't care. The world don't care whose fault it is. The world don't care who's responsible. What are you going to do? 
You didn't get that grade. Who's responsible for that? You didn't make the team. Maybe they weren't. They didn't like you. But what you going to do with that? You can't sulk all day and cry all day about whose fault it is. It's time for us to grow up. Adults, it's time for us to grow up. We made this. I'm, I'm sorry. We made decisions. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wouldn't want to take over. But we made decisions. <laughs> we made decisions and they weren't the good the best decisions for us. We we caused some heartaches to ourselves. But how long are you gonna sit and say, Why didn't I? I shoulda, woulda, coulda. My daddy told my daughter uh, yesterday, I guess it was Friday, whatever it was, he told her, he said, don't live a life of shoulda, woulda, couldas. Regret should, should not be our portion. You make the decision, own it. Own it, be responsible for it. And then you can move. Because if your mind is cloudy with all of that, you won't make the right decision. You'll, you'll keep attributing blame. My daddy wasn't there. He didn't teach me how to drive. I went to play baseball and he was never there. My mama didn't do it. What, what are you going to do with that? Let it define who you are forever? Own it. Feel that. Have that feeling. And you can acknowledge the feeling. Feeling. I'm not telling you to be devoid of the feeling. Acknowledge it. But you got to move with it. Okay, next. Thank you. Come on, give it up right there. We're going to do a little bit of tag team. And I, you don't have to worry about it, baby. We're doing this thing together. Okay, thank you. All right, man. You have a mic, I have a mic. <laughs> <laughs> Tell somebody we're doing this thing together. And so bridging from all the disappointments that happen, there's a danger, again, in the blame game. One of the dangers is sooner or later, whatever you're disappointed in, if you don't move on, it turns into something called bitterness. Now bitterness, we think is a light thing. Well, bitterness just means it's not sweet anymore. But that ain't what bitterness really means. Bitterness means your expectation has turned so sour that inwardly you are full of rage. Bitterness is not a light thing. When somebody becomes bitter, they become a major complainer. It don't have to be all that bad for a bitter person to go off. You know, it could be a little bit, little bit to the left. It's supposed to be a little bit to the right. But a bitter person, time they see a little bit of something not right because of bitterness. They magnify it. They are enraged because something has set in their heart and they are disappointed. So I want you to think that bitterness is something just light. I'm a little bitter about it. No, no, no. You better deal with that bitterness. Because if not, that bitterness will move forward to all your relationships. That all your relationships easily turn into an igniting argument. You can't even have a conversation about what to pick up from the grocery store. Pick up a cart, a dozen of eggs and a gallon of milk. Because a bitterness is there. Something as simple as go to the grocery store for me turns into a major argument. Why? Because there's something underneath called bitterness. 
It's happening right here in this verse. I want you to look at verse 6 because bitterness is something that we, I want us to get rid of. Say, so let's get rid of bitterness. Get rid of bitterness. It says, David was greatly distressed. He's stressed. Mm -hmm. They got raided. His children was taken captive, wives taken captive, everybody else. Now the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. That word grieved means bitter. They were thinking about stoning him. I want you to understand, prior to this point, David is the man. <laughs> David is a super leader. They have never seen leadership, military ability till David comes on the scene. David is the leader and now they get raided under David's leadership. And in this one moment, somebody who has been good all the rest of the time has now turned into the enemy. I want to say, if you're not careful, bitterness will make you give up on somebody who's been good for you for 20 years. But in one year, where they got a little bit off track, some of us better be careful because you'll give up on a good thing because they're going through a wrong season. Right. You better be careful on how you judge a matter. Sometimes you can be so upset about what happened that you let go of something that's going to be great in a little bit. Because of bitterness. They want to stone David. They want to get rid of him as the leader because they will grieve every man for his sons and everybody for their daughters. And so David encouraged himself in the Lord. And I'm telling you right here in this day and time, we're dealing with bitter children children who are bitter they're upset they're mad they don't even know how to describe they don't even some children don't have the vocabulary yet to describe the pain they're dealing with the circumstances they're involved in we got bitter marriages we got bitter workplaces we go to work and we wonder we just got there we just got a new job and we don't know what's wrong with Susie Mae well Susie Mae's bitter because she's been there for 15 years and she feel overlooked She's bitter. She's feel overlooked. She may even have some skills, but she may have poor work ethic. Mm -hmm. And nobody won't tell her she won't do her job. They ignore and let her be there. Nobody ain't trained her good. Nobody won't confront her weakness. It ain't that everybody always overlooked. Don't don't get caught up in that. Everybody ain't ain't always overlooked because they're not good. Some people overlook because they're not doing what they should do. (laughs) But they still could be bitter. And the reason they could be bitter sometimes because nobody just was honest with them. And sometimes people's perceptions are off about what they're dealing with because somebody won't be honest with them. And their perceptions are off about the situation. Sometimes you free people from bitterness from just being honest with them. To tell them, you know, we're part of the situation. I want to be honest with you. Part of it is your responsibility. And sometimes when you're telling people who feel stuck, they are partly responsible. They, it was a fight at first. You better be ready for something. When you tell a person who was stuck and they feel like it's everybody else's fault and you have to tell them they have some part of responsibility in that, you work. You know, I remember when we first got married, I was upset. I was upset because I was married making how much money are you? Thirteen, when we first started? Thirteen thousand, sixteen thousand. Oh, when we first started, I think it was twelve. You moved it. About twelve thousand dollars a year. I was mad. See, that's love, y'all. I was mad and bitter. <laughs> oh, when you go to work every day, you work forty hours a week, and you bring home twelve thousand plus 
thousand annually, I was upset. I was upset with my mistakes. All the times that I wasn't focused was I was in college and all the other things I could have done. You know, I'm thinking about all the missteps I made in life. Now I'm making $12,000, $12,000 annually with a wife. That don't even sound like scripture to me. I'm caught, I'm a preacher, I'm a young minister. That don't even, I feel like I'm somewhere outside the word of God. I, this, my life can't be in these pages. It's just no way. $12,000 a year? But rather than just suffering in bitterness of what I didn't do right, what I decided to do, I decided to start wearing a tie every day to work. I put on, I pressed them sh that shirt, put on that tie, and I went to work with a shirt and tie every day. Every day, making twelve thousand dollars a year. A little more than twelve. A little more than twelve. Count it all, huh? Count it all. She sent me a little more than twelve. Count it all. She count, she count the pennies. I rounded up. Then got thirteen. Then, then thirteen, and it moved up. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But I started wearing a tie every day because I had to do something with my mindset. See, sometimes when you're in disappointment, you're upset about life, you got to do something about your soul and your perspective of life. So I start wearing a tie every day to remind myself I'm not going to be at this 12,000 plus job for the rest of my life. So I started wearing a tie. Sooner or later, people start thinking I was the boss. Because I was wearing a tie. When they came in the office, they were the first person they looked for for help who I looked for. Where they found the man with the tie. And the man with the tie start solving problems. And the man with the tie start looking for solutions. People start bringing me questions. I had no idea what was the answers, but I'll find you an answer. Hallelujah. And sometimes you got to learn not to pass everything off. This is my time to learn. I'm going y'all ain't got this thing. Some of pass everything off. No, I'm gonna carry this assignment, figure out what the answer is, even if I have to go talk to the smartest person in the building and figure out the answer and when I come back I don't got the answer from the smartest person y'all ain't saying nothing and now you look like the smartest person no, I look like the smart person yeah 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 because I am smart because you I was resourceful and I start getting myself out of a bitter situation I don't want you to think bitterness is a light thing. Bitterness is a real thing. It's a real thing. People are in agony because they're bitter over who treated them certain types of way. But I'm telling you, your life is not going to change just about being bitter over facts. And, and one of the things with that bitterness, um, David had to, uh, these people are bitter, but I can't allow the bitterness of somebody else to get in me. So even in situations, we have to take responsibility. If they don't want to change, because change has is an individual thing. It is not. It, I can tell them to change. I can tell you to change all day. I wish I could open some of your brains up and pour all the answers in there, but I can't. Change has to happen for the individual. But you can allow the feelings and the emotions of somebody else to distract you yes. and become cause you to become bitter yes. because they will invite you in your in their bitterness. And that thing is designed to destroy you. Wow. It is designed to keep you low. It's designed to get your thinking off track. You, if you ever got around a bitter person, if you were, if you were in a low place, you start acting funny. You start thinking. You start saying the crazy stuff they say. Yeah, none of them people ain't right. They all, they all crazy. They all liars. They, they all. It, it, no, 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 no. Don't, don't forget you weren't there. 
you got to start saying, where did this thought come from? Right. Sometimes it is not other people. It is what we have allowed other people to say to get in our head. And once it get in your head, if you're not careful, your head will make a story. I tell people all the time, I'm creative. I'm, you, you give me a little portion, I'll make a whole movie out of it. It was some small. I heard a little bit, and I don't imagine what the person was wearing and what they. That's how my, this, I'm just. That's how my mind is. I, I watch TV and movies, and so I see stuff in movies. It could be further from the truth. Yeah. Further from the truth. Oh, I ain't. I didn't picture it going this way. <laughs> So you have to capture these thoughts. Yeah. David had to encourage himself. And what encouragement did for him, it blocked what they were going saying against him. You ain't no good. You, if we weren't out here following you, our wives and our kids wouldn't have been gone. It's all your fault. You you sitting around here doing all this other stuff. You should have stayed over there with Saul. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you start, if you're not careful, if he wasn't careful, he'll be saying, well, maybe I should have stayed with Saul. Yeah. You know? Regret. You, he begin to regret. And maybe I should have been, just played their heart for Saul and not did nothing. Maybe I should have just, I should have just not even let them see how gifted I was. Because now that they know I'm gifted, they use me. See, it's, it's, it's what you do with it. He was, his gift made room for him. And when your gift makes room for you, everybody may not understand what your gift and where your gift is taking you. They may not understand. And it may put you in a process. Now hear me. It may put you in a process of a test. Or a fight. We don't want the process of the test or the fight. Because this is what this is. This, this, them out there going here to war and destroying and taking, conquering land, had somebody else came in and raided them. Mm-hmm. It put him in the middle of a test mm-hmm. and a fight. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to believe now? Mm-hmm. Are you going to believe what God said? Are you going to believe in the strength that you have? Yeah. Or are you going to listen to the bitter people? Ooh. 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 No, that's real. Because bitter people talk loud. Bitter people talk loud. And if we be honest, all of us has dealt with some level of bitterness somewhere in our lives. So let's make bitter common a little more common. Because I don't want us to be sitting there talking about they bitter. No, we've been bitter. You know, because we we talk about, oh yeah, they bitter, yeah, woo, they bitter. We'll do that all day. As if bitter is not common. That it don't happen to the the best of us can get caught up in bitterness. Especially if you feel something happened to you that wasn't fair. You did no wrong to deserve this. Why me? Why me, Lord? There are people who are worse off. They don't go to church. They don't love nobody. They they are just, and their life is just fine. How come my life had to go through these things? Y'all ain't saying nothing. Because if you're not careful, bitterness can happen to the best of us. And excuse your view. Because you only think it's just you who dealing with something. 
You don't know what that person is sitting next to you. We sit next to each other and some of us are, some, you know, I, I, I'll tell. But some of us are quiet and won't tell. But you don't sit here and say, she got it all together. She, she ain't went through nothing. Right. How, how, how dare she open her mouth like that and tell me to praise the Lord. She don't know what I was dealing with. You don't know what I'm dealing with. Tell your neighbor, you don't know the story. You don't know. <laughs> or you don't know all the story. Yeah. You only know what you think you see. Right. Or, or you only know what I show you. Right. So you don't know the whole story. And if you're not careful, bitterness will have you uh, plotting against somebody else. It'll have you plotting against them. You become the gossiper. You become the naysayer. You become the negative person. And you won't even consider yourself. Because see, bitterness is a, a disguise. Mm -hmm. So you can't, you, unless you're looking in the mirror, and if you're not careful, you won't even recognize you have been disguised. You don't put on something that made you different. Now you sitting around here acting as if you're right. And all the time, you're shooting daggers and being wrong. And justifying. And justifying your wrong. Because bitterness will also make you justify staying bitter. Because what you'll do is you'll give yourself a right to be where you are. Yes. Or oh, say, set yourself free. Set Say it again, say, set yourself free. Life will happen, unfortunately, but if, if you're not careful, you will justify your bad attitude. You'll say, I have a right to be where I am. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Let me show you this. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. I'm going to read it in New Living Translation. New Living Translation. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. And I'm going to come back to 1 Samuel 30. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. You will be sensitive. You will be sweet if you weren't so bitter. You will have kindness to say to somebody, but every time you have to say something, negativity and harsh words come out your mouth, and it's a sign. You ever been there, and you heard people talking, oh, somebody said something so sharp, like, whoa, where that came from? Harsh words and slander, as well as all types of behavior. Evil behavior. Evil behavior. Gossip and all that. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender hearted. You know, ain't nothing like a sweet, tender hearted child. Instead of, rather than a tough headed child. Tender hearted child, you can just look at him. Discipline him with your eyes. You ain't got to say, you ain't got to, you about to say them, you just look at him. Tender hearted. I'm sorry, mommy. I'm sorry, daddy. Well, them tough heads, you can look all you want to. You look at that child, that child look at you. Put your hand on your hip, that child put their hand on their hip. You got to work with the, with the ones that are tender hearted. But when you're tender hearted, you're easily to be moved. Yeah. Tender hearted versus stubborn. Yeah. Forgiving one another. Say forgiveness. Forgiveness. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So let's move on to the next point. But this is the first point I was making. It was a big point. You have removed the things that block unity. 
Bitterness blocks unity. You have to forgive. Say, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. That's point number one. That's point number one. Point number two. Get yourself together. David could not. He said, I refuse to be bitter because they're bitter. They're bitter. And what happens when you don't make a decision to get yourself together? You'll start fighting fire with fire. Somebody got to be sane in insanity. Somebody, somebody have to stop arguing in the midst of the argument. Somebody have to say, if we don't quit this, we're going to lose the love we have. Somebody has to take a break from all the talk. Somebody. David says, I'm going to get myself together. Now my crew, they mad at me right now. But he said, I'm going to get myself together, and he encourages himself. Let's go back to 1 Samuel. Let's, let's, 1 Samuel 30, what, verse 6, I think we have. David encourages himself in the Lord. David said, I'm going to get myself together. Thank you. He encourages himself. Say, get yourself, get yourself together. 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 Right? So unity does not exist without you. you. Unity does not exist without you. So you are the major factor in unity. Sometimes you just got to get yourself. Sometimes you have to say, I'm going to start the change. Sometimes your family can be in disarray. But sometimes you say, you know what? I'm going to be the difference maker. I'm going to lead the way to reconciliation. I'm going to lead the way to change. You have to get yourself together to make the difference. Even the children at school, sometimes it's one child making the difference that can change the whole classroom. Somebody has to decide to be the leader and not the follower. That's what we teach our children. Don't be the followers of bad behavior. Be the leader of good behavior. Right. Don't be the leader of bad behavior. <laughs> don't be the leader of bad behavior. And don't be the follower of bad behavior. Yeah. Right? Make it plain. You gotta make it plain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause they'll come back and say, Daddy, I wasn't leading. I wasn't leading. I was just following. I was just following. No. Neither one of them are acceptable. Right. So the first step is to get yourself to get yourself together. I don't want you to underestimate sometimes how much time it takes to get you together. I don't want you to underestimate how much time it takes for you to get together. Mm -hmm. Now, some of us get dressed pretty fast. Now, in my home, it's a little different. Pastor Rock can get dressed fast and look marvelous. Quick, very quick. She does the Wonder Woman spin, go behind the banister, go behind the the counter, spin around, come out already. Pastor Joe, I take some time to get dressed. I don't ask me why, what, what I'm doing. It just takes me some time. Maybe I'm thinking through the process. I don't know what. I don't know what it is. But sometimes it takes time to get you together. Take the time to get yourself together. And it means that means you have to plan it too. Sometimes we try to do stuff on the fly and we think we have enough time to do it. And the truth of the matter is you don't have enough time. You're not giving yourself enough time. And then you're frustrated that why you hadn't changed. Because you said you wanted to lose 30 pounds in a week. And then the, the process that it requires longer. And you're hard on yourself because I don't exercise. I didn't eat no food all week. I was on a liquid diet and only drinking uh, broth. And, and then the end of the week, I should have lost 30 pounds. 
Give yourself First, some time. You got to give yourself some time. The right amount of time. You need to evaluate how much time. Every process takes time. To get a jerry curl takes longer than to get a, a perm. That was that all day. It was there a long time. You just bought a book out the whole day. You get a jerry curl, that's all day. <laughs> to get a perm don't take that long, you know? Where to, I come from, they call it curly perm. Curly perm. World's a curl. S curl. Carefree curl. Leisure curl. <laughs> you know, all of them, right? <laughs> it takes a long time. They had a booster. It's a whole process. But if I just wanted to get my hair straightened, it don't take that much time. You got to give the right amount of time for the service and the things that's needed. And then you won't. Be, and then you can give yourself the uh, the cut yourself the slack that's necessary. Because hey, you might it might have said you can finish college in four years. You had some setbacks, but get back in there. Okay, that was the standard. That's the standard. But your life may not fit in the standard. Cut yourself some slack. Amen. Cut yourself some slack. Give yourself some. Give yourself some time. So get yourself together. Also, may involved getting with other people. Let's read verse 7. Let's get read verse 7. I already read, but David encouraged himself. Okay. Yeah. And David said to Abathah, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee bring me hither the ephod. And Abathah brought thither the ephod to David. Ephod is a priestly garment that the priest would wear. Abathah was a priest. David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. So before David could even pray to God about what the answer is, he had to first go hook up with Abathah the priest. Many times after getting yourself together, who else do you need for unity? Who's on your team? Ask your neighbor, say, who's on your team? Who's on your team? When, you look, when you look at your life, yep. see, some of us are trying to win and you don't have enough players on your team. Right. We have a dream. We have goals. But we try to pursue everything just by ourselves. I want to ask you, who is the next person you need to connect with in a healthy relationship to help you grow? Who is that person? What does that person look like? What are their traits? What are their characteristics? Who do you need to connect with? Many of our lives get stuck because as we're getting ourselves together, we don't want to experience, here comes the big word, vulnerability. So our lives are stuck and all you keep saying for 20 years is I'm getting myself together. The challenge is you have not involved other people in your process. Many of us want big things, but we don't want to open up to people. We want great dreams, but we don't want to share with anybody. We want a big life that everybody can see, but we don't know how to open up and share and talk. David has to learn relationship as well. Getting yourself together may also involve who you invite in your life. You need some vulnerability to experience victory. Amen. 
The next thing he receives here, you can see it. He gets himself together and he gets instructions. They get instructions. Get instructions. All right. And then the next thing besides instructions, they get understanding. Get understanding. All right. So get yourself together. I'm telling you who you're going to connect with. Then get some instructions. Then get understanding. Yeah. Combats are strategic. Right. Nobody just come back by accident. People who come back have some intentionality to it. I know we like great games when there was a great comeback, but how many know at least they planned it? Do y'all understand that teams actually practice comebacks? That's right. Besides practicing normal plays, they practice Hail Marys. Yeah. Right. They practice field goals that's 50 yards plus. They practice so that when the time comes, they say, all right, guys, do what we practice. Yeah, yeah. I want you to understand your life getting out of that rut going to take more strategy than you think. Right. You think you can have put that thing together and get your life back on schedule. No, sir. No, ma'am. You're going to have to practice coming back. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take routine and habits to bring you back to where you need to be. Get yourself together. I had it, but you, you took it away. So you, you still got it, baby. It'll come, It'll come back. All right. Just jump in. <laughs> no, I, I, what I was going to say, because it came back. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, so with the needing people and because um, we've been, some people have been hurt, right? And it's easier to say, you know, and I, I'm this type of person sometimes that I will just do it myself. I'd rather do it myself because I know if it don't go right, I don't have to blame you that it didn't go right, you know. <laughs> or I know I, it's going to get done the way I, I want it to get done, so I do it myself so I won't be looking at you sideways because you didn't do it like I thought you should be done. But it's a trap. It is a trap. Mm -hmm. What happens is you are doing more than what you should be doing. Expending energy that you shouldn't be expending. Wearing yourself out and you become extra tired because you do everything. And you trust no one. Mm -hmm. Do you realize it is a... It is a lack of trust that causes us not to go and get pe and get advice or help, or it is pride. Yeah. It's you're either you don't trust or you too proud to get help. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm talking because that's pride is mine. I, I well yeah, your pride is mine. I don't want to have to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I'll just do it myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm, 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 I want to talk real talk. I want the kids to understand too. It's okay to ask for help. I don't care what they said about the diagnosis. If they said you got ADD, you got ADHD, you need some, some uh, what you call them, uh, accommodations. They get the kids accommodations, right? But your pride will, will hinder you from receiving accommodations that can help you further along. You can get, you can do better with the accommodation. Do you realize the, the school system getting more money to accommodate you? So you should say, you know, children, I'm not saying this to all the kids in here, but you should say, or the kids should say, man, I'm special. Flip that thing. 
Flip it. I'm, I'm special. I get some you don't get. I get the extra time if I need it. Use whatever you need to do, the accommodations that you need for your life and children and adults. Use them. If you need help, get the help. Use the help. Use the help. God placed the solitaries, the single, the lonely, the the individual in families. That's Proverbs. What is that Proverbs? That's Psalms. What is that? Psalms. Psalm 68. He places them in families. Now, I'm all about village complex, uh, the concept of village, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I love the village, but I got to know who in my village, though. And in order for me to know who in my village, I got to talk to people. I can't keep saying, I don't, I don't know these people. I don't trust no people. I ain't letting them talk around my kids, but I want to talk to people. Well, how am I going to know who in my village? The village concept raised a lot of people from generations. They would, they would, I mean, when I was growing up, I, I yes ma'am, no ma'am, no all. Because if I didn't, not only was the mother in the church going to jack me up, but my parents, once they found out that the mother in the church was going to jack me up. Right? So, but they knew who was in the village. Wow. My whole point of it is David couldn't go to Abathar, Abimelech, whatever his name was. He couldn't go to, go to him if he didn't know him. Get to know the people around you. And it's okay. Look, you, you might be small today, but growth is going to happen. I'd rather grow strong with help. Then go grow weak or crooked without it. Yeah. Get the get the splint on your leg. You know you gotta splint it because if not your finger will grow. You know they put a splint on your finger, and if not you it'll grow crooked. It'll heal, but it'll heal crooked or not straight. And so you'll already be at a disadvantage. You can use it right, but you the 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 the. What's the word I'm trying to say? The uh, how it was made to be used a hundred percent. You you have some limitations. That's the word. There will be some limitations. May not be great limitations, but it be limitations. But anyway, that's my point. That's what I want to say. Let's go to verse nine. <laughs> Third point is look after the weak. So the first point again was remove all hindrances to unity. Second point was get yourself together. Third point is look after the weak and the less fortunate. And it's going to get down into self-perception and arrogance and pride because many times when we look at somebody who's weak right now, mm-hmm. we have the tendency to think they're going to be weak forever. Right. We have people who are not doing well right now. We're not careful because we're in our strength. Yeah. We also can feel like we're going to always be strong. Mm-hmm. We're going to always, and that's what I believe, but There are times in life that I didn't see myself going through a weakness, but it happened, right? So verse 9 says, and David and his 600 men that were with him came to the brook of Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. Verse 10. But David pursued he and 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. Verse 11. 
and they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread he did eat and they made him drink water in verse 12 and they gave him a piece of a piece of a cake of figs two clusters of raisins and we had eaten his spirit came again to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights so first of all it lets you know that David had an army of 600 only 400 were ready to go fight 200 he left behind with the rest of the equipment 400 ready to fight is a wonderful principle that don't discount people are currently weak. Although the 200 could not go fight, doesn't mean they was not good for anything else. We have a habit sometime of discarding people because they go through seasons of weakness. And we're not careful, we may be giving up on somebody who's gonna be worth millions tomorrow. Here is David saying, let me manage those who are currently not doing well. Y'all stay here, you watch over the stuff. You, even if you don't have enough strength to fight, let me tell you something. There is a perception of strength when people see somebody guarding something. Even if the enemy came for what I got left. See, I know sometimes we get all distraught when the enemy take our stuff. We get so distraught, we let go of everything. We let go. All because the devil took Monday and Tuesday don't mean he took Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We get such in dis, 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 despair. We give up everything. David said, I'm not even giving up what we have left. Y'all watch over that. And there's a sense of protection when the enemy comes and he sees that what's left is being guarded. There are some fights that the enemy won't even try to pursue because it's guarded. So he lose 200 weak, weak soldiers to guard what's left. The 400 goes fight. The other thing that happens when they get there, they find an Egyptian in the field, and you see it clearly. He's, he's weak. He's in, an Egypt, he's in the field lying for dead, but they feed him. So we find out sometimes weak people just need to be fed. Right. Weak people, that's all they need. Sometimes weak people just need right environment. Right. Sometimes all they need is somebody to encourage them. Yeah. Some people are just lacking support. They get support two years later. They're on the top of their game. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So they recognize, so I'm telling us we got to be careful not, not to forget those who are weak and going through misfortune. Sometimes when we're doing well, we get so full of ourselves, we forget about everybody else. But unity shows us to even take care of those who are less fortunate. Point number four, don't be arrogant. It's an extension of point three. Point number four, don't be arrogant. Weaker people have strengths. I wanted to show you this. It's an extension of uh, the, the previous point. Verse 13. And David said unto him, this is to the Egyptian, to whom belongest thou? Whence art thou? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to the Malachite. My master left me because that three days ago I fell sick. So David comes to the Egyptian and says, what's your resume? What skills you got? What you got? What's going on with you? He tells them, we made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belonged to Judah and upon the south of Caleb. And we burned Ziglag with fire. Mm -hmm. Y'all catch that? Yeah. They found an the Egyptian and the Egyptian they talked to and interviewed. The Egyptian tell them, I belong to the Malachites. They left me for dead. Well, we also burned Ziglag with fire. Mm -hmm. David, should, <laughs> David should get, hmm. That means you're the one who was a part of the group who burned up our stuff. Right. 
All right, listen to this. And David said to him, canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, swear unto me by God that thou will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I will bring thee down to this company. Let me teach you how to be composed under pressure. Right. When somebody did you wrong. When somebody did you wrong. First of all, David doesn't kill the Egyptian because he lets him talk to see what he can do. Now easily, David could have heard the Egyptian, oh, you was a part of the ones who took our stuff. He could have took out the spoil, just mm -hmm. got rid of them. They were, he's under composure. Using wisdom. If you're not careful, your past will enter into your today and ruin your tomorrow. If David doesn't have restraint, self-control in this moment, he would have took this Egyptian out. Also, notice that the Egyptian got skills as well. The Egyptians say, wait a minute now. You say, can you bring me down to this company? Yeah, I can bring you down to them. I got skills because I was there. I know where they are. I know what they look like because I was with them. But since they left me for dead three days ago and y'all done found me, we can work. Many of us stop negotiating our future because we don't feel like we got nothing left. This Egyptian is negotiating his breakthrough. He is negotiating his turnaround. Some of us don't understand what we have left. He says, wait a minute. I'm going to take you there, but you ain't about to let me tell you the secret that y'all kill me. I know how this thing works. I know what y'all do. Y'all say, he just collateral damage. You know, no, I don't, I don't know how this thing goes. He said, let's make a deal. He said, swear unto me. I know y'all love God. So swear unto me by God that thou will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. Cause, yeah, because I know who your God is. And just swear to me that y'all won't hurt me. And he said, I'll bring you down to this company. I want to show you that some of you, right now you feel so defeated. But I want to teach you that you still got some skills. I want you to tap into what you got left. I want you to tap into your ingenuity, your creative, your creativity. Tap into what you have left. Stop letting people tell you ain't got nothing. You don't have nothing left. This Egyptian start negotiating his breakthrough. So I don't want you to be arrogant. Weaker people have strengths. And notice I said weaker people. And I wanted to just tag a little bit here. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I've been on this um, reading about the Garden of Gethsemane and, and Jesus talking to the disciples and everything. Um, and the disciples, he took, Jesus is going to the cross, right? We know he's going through his process. He know he's, the death, his death is, in, is, is, is imminent. And he takes his disciple, takes the 12, he leaves nine of them and say, y'all stay here. As, and, and he take the other three and he tells the other three, which includes Peter, right? Peter, <clears throat> excuse me, he, which includes Peter, the one who says, uh, I'm not going to deny you. He said, oh, yeah, you're going to deny me. Not only, I'm going to tell you you're going to deny me. And the clock, the crock, the, the cock. That one. Well, not the, crock. Not the crock. Well, the rooster. The rooster, because I couldn't get the word. Just anyway, would not croak. It's gonna croak three times after you do it. it you you and you gonna know. You but Jesus didn't get rid of him. He still took him with him. 
with his, 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 the ones he loved, James, John, and Peter. He took them even closer when he going in here, and he was vulnerable with them, with him, with them. And he didn't even discard them, discard them after they went to sleep. You can't get rid of people when they are in their humanity. One of the things about the 200, and I, I probably went backwards, sorry. One of the things about the 200, they were in their humanity. We, this Superman complex, this ability to think that everybody has to be perfect, that perfectionism, we got to get that thing broken because it is a trap to your life and then you trap other people. And you get mad and discard them when they are your strength. These same three, Peter, James, and John, out here preaching after Jesus left. He, Peter stands up and said, you know, uh, 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 flesh, no, no, that's not the one. About the day of Pentecost, and you know that one. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even get my words together, Jesus. These are not drunk as Jesus supposed. Thank you. That was been waiting for you to say it. <laughs> Teamwork made the dream work. Amen. But no. So Jesus knew there are still some, and, and I said that to say is because you might have weak and you might have failed. You might have you might have failed and you might have been weak and you might have looked like you were no good for the journey. There's still something good in you. Yes. Don't allow yourself, because this is really, I'm telling you, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You have to get out of this think, stinking thinking. Mm. That these thoughts, these ideas that keeps you vulnerable, keeps you small, yes. keeps you depressed, yes. keeps you in anxiety, yes. keeps you negative, keeps you bitter. If you keep that thinking, so uh, that's what you're becoming. Yeah. And then you won't even see the good in anybody else because your mind is sick. Mm. We got to get healed. I'm not saying everything is, when we leave this, this day, everything is going to be perfect. But my thought about it is because I have the mind of Christ. God says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. He had his humanity going to the cross, to the garden, because he talked to the Father and said, well, you know, let this cup pass from me. You can have your humanity. So I'm not trying to tell you you're not to be human. We're not trying to get you super, superhuman people around here. Have your humanity, but let your spirit be greater. Yes. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll go ahead and do it. I can do it. I can pass the test. I can, whatever it is, raise your thinking. As you think in your heart, so is he. That's it. So we can't discard people when they're going through weak points. We can't discard them. Um, and sometimes every year, especially when it comes to brand new year, yeah. everybody get their list of all the people they're going to cut off every year. <laughs> every year. <laughs> and not saying there are chance times you do have to cut off. But this, this world has, learned, has not learned how to manage relationships. We had, we had learned, 
we hadn't learned how to manage relationships. Mm -hmm. We hadn't learned that everybody don't have to be that close to us. Right. That's right. Amen. We hadn't learned proper distancing in relationship. Yeah. See, we don't see sometimes we think every relationship has to be a close relationship. Nope. It can be good and not as close. Right. Matter of fact, certain relationships are better yeah. not as close. And you need to know the people who can stand and build for you to walk through a closer relationship with yeah. you. Yeah. Everybody getting close. And if you got everybody in your life that's close, that's in a close relationship with you, you're definitely in trouble. Because now you don't know who to listen to. <laughs> See, the ones who are the most closest to you shall have your heart and really have the most sincere words you need to listen to. Yeah. But if that's a group of 200, That's too many people who are close to you. Everybody can't be your bestest best friend. That's right. So everybody can't be your, I know you great. And they're fighting over being your best friend. That's good though. That's good to be. That's a good place to be. But everybody can't be your best friend. But can that still be your friend? Can you still have respect for one another? So instead of having a cutoff, I think sometimes the reason we have the cutoff because we don't let too many people get close. And I, I'm not dealing with lack of vulnerability. I'm talking about discernment to manage relationships. That's what I'm talking about. Discernment. All right, my fifth and final point, our fifth and final point here. Verse 23, our fifth and final point. Verse 23. Y'all doing good? Yes, sir. Say it's not bigger than us. It's not bigger than us. All right, so principles of unity. Here's the final point. It is, the final point is solidify the next victory. Solidify the next victory. Then David, then said David, ye shall not do so. So what happened here? Let me explain. After the Egyptian told them where the enemy was, they went to the enemy's camp and got back all their stuff. Right. They recovered all. Everybody say recover all. Recover all. They got everything back. All right. I didn't read those verses. They got everything back. After they got everything back, there came a fight in the camp. Y'all remember there were 600 warriors, 400 were strong, 200 was weak. Well, the 400 that were strong, a small group out of the 400, rose up and said, the 200, they're not getting anything. All they did was sit back there holding luggage. We the one went ahead to fight, and they're not getting anything. So David said, that's not how we treat our brothers and sisters. That's not how we behave. So he put in the law, that's why I said solidify the next victory, all right? So David said, you should not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our land. Yeah. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall partake alike, meaning those who st stay by the stuff versus those who go to the battle. Everybody get equal everybody, spoil. Everybody. Right? everybody get equal spoil. I'm going to stop right there. David solidifies the next victory by putting a statue in place that says we're in this thing together. You may have a part that's about keeping the stuff, watching over what the devil didn't take. Right. Why I go get what the devil did take. 
What we have to learn, if you're going to be successful in your life, if you're going to manage relationships, if you're going to manage your workplace, if you're going to grow, get promoted, if you're going to have wonderful families, you're going to have to learn how to walk in unity. You're going to have to learn how to forgive. You're going to have to learn how to yes. uh, forgive. Yes. I, that's a big point yes. today. How to yes. get rid of. That was my first point is to get rid of all the stuff that block you. You're going to have to learn how to forgive. You're going to have to learn how to renew yourself. Renew your heart. And learn that it's not bigger than us. Will you stand on your feet? I want to pray today. We wanted to teach together as a sign of unity as well. And as you can see, unity takes work. She had her points to say. I had my points to say. We paused to respect each other. I knew our teaching together would be a real demonstration of unity. Because you have to learn to respect somebody else's strength and gifts. Will you lift your hands? I want to pray because I really believe when we learn unity. And I believe the, a, a global lesson. There's been a global lesson that God has been teaching throughout the pandemic is a global lesson. It's a global lesson. It's a lesson of unity. It's a lesson of unity. We teach people, wear your mask, not just for you, but for other people. It's a lesson of unity. It's a lesson that we've been in this fight together. It's a global lesson that we gotta get out of here, that we just can't get in our little sections and get caught up in racism and segregation and all the other kind of stuff that's still going on. But we got to endeavor to walk in unity. Hands lifted today. I believe our families need a, a stronger touch of unity. I believe marriages need a stronger touch of unity. I believe churches need a stronger touch of unity. Amen. I believe we really need to learn what it is to be a part of something and know our role. So Father, we're praying today. We're praying today over this congregation, those in person, those online. We're praying today that you will strengthen us and give us your might and give us your wisdom. We're praying today that you will help us walk through every circumstance, whether that we felt it was unfair, whether we felt that it shouldn't have happened to us. Father, give us strength to get over it. Give us strength to move through it. Give us strength, oh God, to forgive whatever happened to us. Whoever did it, help us even to forgive ourselves. Well, we've been disappointed on some of the things that we have not done. Even help us give ourselves a break. Well, we haven't reached a milestone at a certain age and a certain time. Help us to have a little mercy. Help us to have a little patience today. Help us to get ourselves together. Help us to value who we are. Some of us, Lord, today are hearing this message and we don't value who we are. Some are hearing it don't value the contribution they can give to other people and how, how much they are important. Some people have been beat down so much by the enemy, beat down by the voices and opinions of others that we have lost value in ourselves. Today, Father, I pray that you will restore self-esteem, restore value, restore how important we are as individuals and that we matter today. Father, we pray today that we'll be able to see how unity is important. And it's not bigger than us. What may be difficult for one person is able to be attained when we come together. Help us to grab this principle of unity. 
help our children to grab this principle of unity that they all know they're valuable as well this we pray in Jesus name amen give God a hand clap of praise today we hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. <laughs>